Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Atlanta Man Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and on today's episode, we will be discussing games 3, 4, and 5 of the World Series. And we'll also um, wrap up the show talking about a little Falcons, little Hawks, little college football maybe, try to get back in the swing of that because we haven't really had a, a lot of time to discuss it with um, just the madness of the Braves making this very long playoff run. So we'll get into that later on the show, but uh, first we'll start off with these games. Um, so start off with Game 3, first World Series game back in Atlanta since 1999. Um, Ian Anderson got the start for the Braves, and it was Luis Garcia who got the start for the Astros. So um, start off in the bottom of the third inning, Austin Riley got the scoring starter with a with an RBI double and score Eddie Rosario, make it one to nothing. Um, that was the first scoring play of the game. Um, offense where there's only two scoring plays in the entire game. It was the Riley double and uh, Travis Darno actually hit a very long home run in the eighth inning. And those were the only two scoring plays of the game. Um, main story of this game was not the offense at all. Definitely not the offense. The main story was Ian Anderson and um, kind of, I don't really, really like the main storyline that came out of this game was did the Braves make the right decision by taking him out? Um, in the fifth inning because he did have a no-hitter going through five innings. So, yeah, we'll get into that in just a second. But, like I said, Austin Riley got the scoring started with a double um, in the third inning. Um, the only trouble Ian Anderson really got into in this game was a couple of walks in the first, but he got out of it with a double play and then um, got a fly out from Jordan Alvarez. Had a, one more walk later on, but he was able to work around that. And, um, yeah, so he, he went five innings pitched in this game, uh, zero runs, three walks, four strikeouts. He was awesome. And, yeah, here's the main point of contingency in this game was taking him out after five innings. He was at 76 pitches, I believe. Um, somewhere in the 70s, I believe it was 76 pitches. And they decided to bring in A.J. Mentor. Um, and I'm perfectly fine with this move. Um, you know, a lot of people were upset about it that – they didn't let Ian go on and try to keep the no-hitter going on his own. But listen, Ian was never going to go the distance in this game and pitch a nine-inning no-hitter by himself. That was just not going to happen. The only way the Braves were going to throw a no-hitter um, was if it was a combined no-hitter. And, um, yeah, they I mean, they almost did it. But, you know, at that, I, I, in the World Series, I really don't care about the no-hitter, if we're being honest. I mean, it would have been really cool if the Braves would have pulled it off, but... My 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 main focus, and I think Brian Snicker's main focus, was winning this game. Um, and he thought that bringing in Mentor right there in the sixth inning gave him the best chance. And I can't really disagree with that. I think um, that's a solid move. But um, if it were me, I'm prob if it if it were me, I'd like I said, I do agree with Snicker bringing in AJ Mentor. But if it were me, and um, looking ahead just a bit, and at the time it was only one to nothing, one nothing game, so the smallest margin you could have. So I really do understand him going pedal to the floor with the bullpen. But Ian had been pitching very well. And I probably would have tried to squeak an inning out, uh, a sixth inning out of Ian. It was top of the Astros' order for the third time through. Um, I would have totally gotten if you would have tried to snuck another inning out with Ian to try to save A.J. Mentor for the upcoming bullpen games. But um, that's just kind of 
you know, looking back on the bullpen games now and what happened to AJ Mitchell later on, we'll get into that. Um, it seems kind of, kind of weird though. That being my thought process, but at the time, at the moment, um, uh, in the moment, I was thinking maybe do that, but I totally, totally get, um, only getting five out of Anderson, and saying seeing that the top of the lineup was coming up for the third time in a row, and saying all right, it's time to go to the pen, and um, it worked. AJ had a clean inning, two strikeouts. They go to Luke Jackson. He had a one two three inning. Uh, Tyler Matzik, he gave up. He actually gave up the um, the no hitter. Uh, so we'll get into that now. It was a very interesting play that that happened on. Um, it was lead off. It was lead off the eighth inning. It was, um, oh my god, I, I still don't know how to say this guy's name. I'm sorry. It's Aladmis Diaz. I think I thought it was I, I was saying it, I was saying it wrong the other day during game one, but it's Aladmis Diaz, I believe. But um, he came in to pinch hit actually. Um, he pinch hit for Martin Maldonado, their catcher, who we'll get into later. Um, and he hits a blooper right in between Eddie Rosario and Dansby, and it should have been caught, probably should have been caught off by Eddie, but I think Dansby charging in kind of made him hold up, and he took like a little stutter step, and it just dropped right in front of Eddie, and that's the first hit of the game for the Astros. In the top of the ace, so the Braves went seven innings in this World Series game, without uh giving up a hit which is pretty impressive on its own but they were i mean if this doesn't fall who knows what happens but yeah they're pretty close to throwing a hitter but uh matzik he uh gets gets the rest of the guys one two three um and uh yeah they really didn't really face him giving up that that run then in the ninth will smith to give up a lead off single to alex bregman kind of like a shift beater um wasn't hit very hard um, but then after that, one, two, three, and the Braves win two to nothing. Um, yeah, so pitching was pitching was the main focal point in this game. They really, really kind of carried Atlanta in this one. They only got the two runs on the Riley single and the Darno homer. Who at the time Darno was the second game in a row hitting a homer, and it was a rocket in the eighth inning, a nice insurance run for the Braves. And um, I believe he had like 437 feet. He really crushed it to dead center. So, yeah, not really much to say about this one except for the pitching was awesome. And uh, that trend did continue into game four. Um, this was the first bullpen game from the Braves, and it was announced just a few hours before game time that the starter was going to be Dylan Lee. So, for those of you who don't know Dylan Lee, uh, which I don't think a ton of people do, um, he's not a staple in the Braves world really at this point but he has been around for this playoff run Dylan Lee is a 28 year old rookie um, who had a he's a left-hander he had a very good year in AAA this year um, he came up right at the end of the season for the Braves um, and pitched a, in that Mets series that ended the regular season and uh, he also has pitched a little bit in the playoffs too he pitched in the NLCS against the Dodgers when the Braves were kind of getting blown out um, he pitched in game two of the World Series when the Braves were down as well but yeah, he the he and he had pitched like sort of well in those games. He hasn't been like lights out or just absolutely nails or anything. But he was perfectly perfectly fine. So I guess Snit said, "Hey, let's try to get the first inning out of Dylan Lee." And when it was announced, I didn't hate it. I didn't really have a, like an opinion on it. Um, with the back to back bullpen days, I knew some weird stuff was going to happen. This was just kind of the first weird thing. Um, it didn't work out, but it wasn't an absolute disaster. But it definitely didn't work. But I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, they should have done this, should have done that. Because at the moment when I, they announced Dylan Lee, I, I wasn't, like, furious that this was the decision. I knew they had to go with somebody. 
as the opener. Because I, I didn't think they were going to sort of hand a start off to one of their bolt guys, which um, in retrospect they maybe should have. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to sit here and uh, be revisionist and say that they should have started straight up started Kyle Wright because in the moment when they said Dylan Lee was starting, I didn't hate it. So, anyway, that's my thoughts on just Dylan Lee starting in the game, but we'll get into the actual game now. And, um, yeah, like I said, it didn't go great for Dylan Lee in this game. So, game starts with a infield single to Jose Altuve. That's just kind of a bit of an unlucky start for uh, Dylan. But uh, then he walks Michael Brantley in his second and first, nobody out. He then gets a strikeout of Alex Bregman, but then immediately walks Jordan Alvarez after, and he has the bases loaded one out, and Snid decides to pull the plug and bring in Kyle Wright, who I, I've had my own opinions on. Kyle, I'll get into them later, um, but he definitely proved me wrong in this game. I, I'll say that much. I've never been the biggest Kyle Wright fan, but he was great. And it started off in the first inning, coming in, bases loaded one out, and he immediately gets a ground ball to, from Carlos Correa. Excuse me. They get the out, and um, but a run does score on the play. So it's one to nothing Houston, but you'll, you'll trade a run for the out right there um, 10 times out of 10. He then strikes out Kyle Tucker, swinging, so some Kyle on Kyle violence right there. Um, and he gets out, gets out of it. So uh, just one run after having bases loaded one out. Um, you'll take that every day of the week. And, yeah, good stuff with Kyle Wright, kind of bailing out Dylan Lee there. So, yeah. We'll move on to the bottom of the first now. Um, Zach Greinke got the start for Houston. This was kind of their own bullpen game, too. And they weren't expecting a ton out of Zach Greinke, but he pitched very well for them. We'll get into his line later and how well he pitched. But, um, yeah, Freddie had a single in the bottom of the first, but um, nothing other than that. Um, top of the second, Zach Greinke actually got a hit, but um, didn't turn out to be anything because Austin Riley made a terrific play um, down the down the third baseline to rob Altuve of what a, what would have been a hit, probably would have scored a run or two, um, definitely one run, but maybe even two because it would have been down the line in the corner, um, but yeah, just an awesome play by Austin Riley to save a couple of runs maybe. Um, so Kyle Wright gets out of the jam of the second, nothing new for the Braves in the bottom of the second, uh, Kyle Wright in the top of the third, gets into a little bit of trouble do some intentionally walk business to get to Zach Greinke, and he grounds out to end the inning, so another cleaning for Kyle Wright. Bottom of the third, one, two, three inning for the Braves. Zach Greinke continued to pitch well. Then in the top of the fourth, um, Kyle Wright gets his first hiccup of the game, really, um, as far as run scoring goes. He gives up a solo home run to Jose Altuve that made it two to nothing in the top of the fourth. So, yeah, not what you want there, but... That, would, that ended up being the only run he gave up, so that's uh, perfectly fine, just giving up the one run right there. Um, that's all he gave up in the inning, so after top of the fourth, it's 2 to nothing Astros. And then Kyle Reich came back out top of the fifth, and he got into a little bit of trouble, had to do some more intentionally walk stuff, intentional walk stuff to get to Marvin Gonzalez to pinch hitter, and it worked out. Um, he flew out to left field, and Kyle Reich completes the fifth. So that was Kyle Reich's last inning. And he pitched very well. 4.2 innings pitched, 5 hits, 1 earned run. Um, he had 3 walks, but 2 of them were intentional. Um, then he had 3 strikeouts. He gave up the 1 home run. That was his only run given up. And, yeah, he was, I think I thought he was terrific. Um, he really came in and saved the Braves in this game. He was one of the many heroes in this game. 
we'll get into the other heroes later. But yeah, he was definitely one of them, and maybe even a bigger one than the ones later, because he saved the Braves' bullpen by giving them some really nice bulk innings in this game. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and admit it now. Uh, when Kyle Wright was added to this World Series roster, I was pretty surprised, and I kind of hated it, because Kyle Wright and his two major league starts this year was absolutely god-awful. Um, he was just really bad. But he had been pitching very well in AAA, but I didn't really value that that much. But he has looked fantastic and, um, in these two games that he's pitched in. Like, he pitched in game two, struck out the side, and um, he pitched, obviously, very well in this game. So I will admit I'm wrong on Kyle Wright um, for this World Series, at least. But, yeah, he's been, he's been pretty awesome. So we will move on now to the bottom of the six. And this is where the Braves finally break through. Um, Inning starts out uh, with a pinch hitter. Orlando Arcia comes in to pitch and uh, pinch hit, and he lines out. Then Eddie Rosario doubles. Then they walk Freddie Freeman, but Ozzy strikes out swinging, so it's up to Austin Riley with two outs to, um, if we're going to deliver a run here, and he does uh, RBI single to score Eddie. Kind of a weird slide at second by Riley. He almost overslid the bag. I was almost thrown out trying to get the second, but... Um, he didn't. He stayed on the bag. Um, didn't really matter. I mean, he would have been out, but the run still would have scored, so it wasn't anything crazy like that. But, yeah, Braves were on the board at the bottom of the sixth, make it 2-1. to one. But Nothing doing for the Astros in the top of the seventh with Tyler Matzik, who came on to pitch. He gave up nothing. And now we move on to the bottom of the seventh. The And the, uh, the Astros bringing Christian Javier to pitch, who has been pretty awesome for them this year. Uh, he's been one of their best relievers. He's been like a starter, too. He's a guy that can go multiple innings and be very effective. But they bring him in for the bottom of the seventh. And he starts it off well by striking out Adam Duvall. But Dansby swats on the next at bat, takes him deep into right center. He throws him a really, really bad 0-2 fastball. Um, after making Dansby kind of silly on a couple of sliders, he decides to throw him this 0-2 fastball. And Dansby just sends it right into the first row of the chop house. And the game is tied. So... Then they bring in Jorge Soler immediately after the pinch hit for Matzik. They have the little mound visit for uh, Javier to get the scouting report on Soler. Um, he gets into a 2-1 count, and then instead of throwing a bad fastball, Javier throws a really bad slider that just hangs in the zone, and Soler hits a rocket into left field. Almost was caught by Jordan Alvarez because he almost reached over the short wall of where the Astros' bullpen is, but he didn't get it. It's a solo shot, back-to-back -back homers, and the Braves lead 3-2 to two in the seventh. Um, just a huge, huge turn of events in two batters. Um, I saw that Dansby Swanson and Jorge Soler were the first eight and nine hitters to go back-to-back -back in the history of the World Series. They're like the third pair ever to hit back-to-back -back home runs that tied and put them ahead in the World Series. And I don't remember the other duo. I know they played for the Dodgers in the 80s. But the first to ever do it was the like in the 1920s, and it was Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. So it's kind of a cool stat that um, that uh, they're included in. But yeah, just a huge, huge turn of events in the in the seventh here. The Braves bats have been pretty cold all game, and getting back-to-back -back home runs just crazy, really. Uh, we'll, now, we'll move on now from to the top of the eighth. They're bringing in Luke Jackson to pitch, and there was another huge play in this inning, and that happened with two outs. Um, Jackson got Diaz and Maldonado out. That brought up Jose Altuve, and on the first pitch, Luke kind of hangs one of his sliders to him, and Altuve 
ropes it into left, kind of similar to how Jorge had his, but just a little bit shorter of the wall. And Eddie Rosario was on the run, didn't know if he was going to make it, and then at the last second kind of just throws his glove up at it, stabs at it, and uh, look what I found. He he, uh, robs Jose of what would have been a double at least, and um, a huge third out in the top of the eighth inning. Um, yeah, just just an incredible play by Eddie. And um, who knows what happens after that if uh, Altuve reaches. You know, the one-run game, those kind of plays are absolutely huge. So incredible play by Eddie Rosario. So he continues to be awesome this postseason. Um, in the bottom of the eighth, Braves don't get any runs. They do get a couple of base runners by Ozzie walking and jockeying hit by pitch. But uh, Darno strikes out swinging and Duvall pops out. And it is Will Smith time for the top of the ninth. And he was perfect. He struck out Michael Brandley looking. He got Alex Bregman to pop out. And then he got Jordan Alvarez to ground out to end the game. And the Braves come back and win 3-2. to two And a come-from-behind win. Back-to-back homers. The Eddie catch. You know, just Kyle, Kyle Wright's heroics. Just a lot of good stuff for the, from this game. This was just a really fun game. And probably one of the, probably, it was definitely the best game of the World Series. Probably one of the best games of the entire postseason as a whole for the entire MLB. So, yeah, that was an awesome game. And we'll move on to game five, which wasn't as awesome. Um, started out great, but, yeah, things just kind of got off the rails in this one. Uh, we'll start off top of the first Um Today, this game was another scheduled bullpen game, bullpen game for the Braves. They elected to kind of go with the traditional starter, but probably not. Uh, uh, I don't even know. I don't know. We'll get into this in a second. They go with Tucker Davidson to start this game, uh, which was another one that I was fine with when they announced it before the game. I was like, okay, that's good. You know, I, you, you, I was just kind of expecting to be Jesse Chavez since they didn't use him at all yesterday. And uh, he's usually kind of been their opener. But they go with Tucker, and um, which I'm fine with. Tucker was added to the roster when Charlie Morton got hurt. And um, he hadn't pitched in the big league since June because he got hurt. And he had made one rehab start in AAA at the beginning of August, or no, beginning of October, I believe. So they went with Tucker, and that was perfectly fine. And in the top of the first, um, he got Jose Altuve to fly out or pop out to Dansby. Um, Michael Brantley walked, but he got a double play. So a clean top of the first for Tucker, and I will move on to the bottom of the first. And this was uh, one of kind of one of the only there are two fun moments in this game for the Braves, and this one was really fun and really exciting, and it was like a oh my god moment. Um, it started off with a Jorge Soler single that kind of took a really weird hop off of Alex Bregman, so he was on. Freddie flew out, but then Ozzy grounded into a force out. Uh, he made it to first, then Austin Raleigh singles, and then Eddie walks and loads the bases for Adam Duvall. And Duvall, on the first pitch from Framber Valdez, hits a bomb into the chop house, and it's a grand slam, and it's 4 to nothing Braves in the first inning. And it was I couldn't really believe that that had happened. It was um, a very, very exciting play, and it was like, a, oh my God, is, is tonight the night moment? For, for the Braves and for pretty probably all for me and every other fan, it was just like, oh my God, what a, what a start. And yeah, four to nothing Braves after one. Now we'll move on to the top of the second. 
And this is where things slowly but surely turn bad for the Braves. Um, starts off good. Jordan Alvarez flies out. But then Yuli Gurriel singles. Then Kyle Tucker walks. Then Alex Bregman has an RBI double to make it 4-1. to one. And then Martin Maldonado, who was the villain of this game for the Braves, has a sack fly to make it 4-2. to two. Then they got uh, Framber Valdez called out on strikes to end the inning. So the Astros creep back into it they make it four to two in the bottom or in the top of the second and after that i i said that should be it for tucker he should be done um you know you're still up four to two you got to preserve that he did not look good at all in the second he was he was not hitting his spots he was missing he was not throwing a lot of strikes either wasn't being very very efficient none of it he did not look very sharp and the Braves should have gotten out of there with just the two runs and not have gotten greedy, but I think you know where this is going. They let him hit for himself in the second. Um, I didn't know if that was him staying in or if that was just we don't want to use a pinch hitter in the second inning, which in a bullpen game, which when you're going to be, when you're probably going to be using a lot of pinch hitters, and it turned out that there were only men in the game, which I in the moment hated, and it went about as well as you thought it would go um, but it wasn't all his fault uh, because Jose Altuve started off the inning he grounded gr hit a pretty routine ground ball right to Dansby and Dansby just booted it and that was just like an oh my god like they had like they kind of had to have that for Tucker to be successful in his third inning um, but he booted it and uh, Jose Altuve reaches Michael Brantley then walks and then they decided to change pitchers and bring in Jesse Chavez. So, yeah, I don't understand why he came out. I know it wasn't entirely his fault because Dansby did boot that easy ground ball that he makes 99 out of 100 times. But I just it was just bad, bad, bad to let him stay in and face. The top of the lineup again, it was leadoff man Altuve. Like, letting, letting him see the top of the lineup again was really bad on Snicker. Um, and I thought, and I think Snicker has been very good in this postseason up until this game, and he has another pretty questionable call later. But yeah, I thought I thought I thought Snicker has been great in the postseason. I thought he's pressed all the right buttons. Tonight was not that night. Tonight was a really bad night for Brian Snicker. And um, you know, the pit, pitchers didn't pitch well either. But you know, who knows what happens with this game if he just lets Jesse Chavez start the third inning? Who knows? Who knows what happens if Dansby fields the ground ball? Um, and who knows what happens if A.J. Mentor doesn't have a debacle later on in the game, which we'll get to in a second. But, yeah, they bring in Jesse Chavez, and then he immediately gives up an RBI double to Carlos Correa to make it 4-3. to three. They get Alvarez to fly out, and then Yuri Gurriel grounds out, but a run does score to tie the game at 4. Uh, then Kyle Tucker gets walked, and then they get Bregman to fly out. And just like that, uh, two... Like uh, inning and a half later, the four-run lead is completely gone and the game is tied. So yeah, just kind of a disastrous second and third innings for the Braves after getting that four-nothing lead. But immediately starting off the bottom of the third, the, the other fun moment of this game happens, and Freddie Freeman retakes the lead immediately with a long home run to make it five to four, and. Yeah, at that in that moment, I was like, okay, like um, I was kind of surprised that they even had Framber back out there, 
but they did. Freddie absolutely crushed one off of him. Um, he would end up getting taken out later in the inning, but it was just kind of uh, kind of lucky that they even get to saw, they even got to see Framber again. And um, yeah, and in this moment, it's like, all right, the Braves are still gonna hit, you know. Like I, I really wasn't too worried about the offense. I was like, they're still gonna hit. We just gotta, we just gotta hit more than them and get to the main bullpen guys. And I think we can be fine. That was my mindset in the moment. So um, we'll move on though. Ozzy grounds out on a really nice play from Alex Bregman. Actually, a nice barehanded play. Um, and then Austin Riley grounds out to Carlos Correa. And um, just when he's about to get out of the inning, Framber Valdez then walks Eddie Rosario, and then they take him out to not let him see Adam Duvall again. They bring in Yimmy Garcia and. Uh, Adam Duvall pops out to end the inning. So after three, the Braves lead five to four. So, yeah. Move on to the top of the fourth. Um, Jesse Chavez stay in the game. He got Mullen under the ground out. Um, then they bring in Zach Greinke to actually pinch hit, and he has a pinch hit single, and it was the hardest hit ball of the whole game for the Astros. Um, it was 105 miles an hour, and it was the hardest hit ball the Astros hit all game. And um, it was just kind of indicative of how the Astros got their runs this game. They weren't really hitting anything hard. They are just kind of finding holes. And, yeah, it was kind of frustrating. But um, he then gets um, Jose Altuve to fly out to Solaire. And then they bring A.J. Minter in to replace Chavez for, um, to get Michael Brantley. And he strikes him out on three pitches. So Minter looked really good striking out Brantley. But that was not what was yet to come in his outing in this game. So... <laughs> Just a little teaser there. Um, we're on to the bottom of the fourth. Darno had a single, um, but they couldn't do anything with it. But one, two, three after the single. And then they bring in, they keep A.J. Minter in, obviously. They let Minter hit for himself in the bottom of the fourth. But they let him stay in. And here is where I think the Braves lost the game, in the top of the fifth inning. Uh, Carlos Correa um, leads off with a single up the middle. Then Jordan Alvarez called out on strike, so there's one out, runner on first, then Yuli Gurriel singles, and then Kyle Tucker grounds out, and there's runners on second and third with two outs. And Alex Bregman's coming up, who hasn't been great in this series, but he does have a double in this game, and Martin Maldonado is scheduled to hit after him. So they walk Alex Bregman intentionally, which I 100% agree with. You, you, you pitch to Maldonado in that situation every time. Maldonado... Is not a good hitter. He's career. He's a career sub 600 OPS. He's not a good hitter. He is like borderline. He's more of a pitcher hitting than a regular position player. He is strictly in this game for the Astros because he's a very good catcher, um, and that's it. So you have bases loaded. Braves lead five to four. Martin Maldonado up at the plate, and Ma and credit to Maldonado here. I will give him some big time credit. He came in and he had a plan of, I am going to get on base here no matter what. He got in the box. He's crowded the plate big time. He was right over home plate. And he was not going to swing unless he absolutely kind of had to, in like in protect mode. Um, yeah, and then AJ threw a first pitch ball to him. Um, I think he only threw one strike to him to hold at bat. He walked him on five pitches, I think, and Maldonado did not even attempt to swing. And I think that just got in AJ's head, for being honest. Um, it really got into his head. I don't think he knew what to do. Like he he didn't know how to, like like he did. I guess he didn't know how to approach a guy who was not planning on swinging the bat once. 
which I, I saw a tweet from uh, Jerry Blevins, who is a former big league reliever, he used to he pitched for the Braves in 2019, and he said that the hardest strikes that he's ever had to throw were when he knew that the hitter was not going to try to swing. And maybe that's just a thing that, uh, like, it sounds like uh, that sounds super easy, but maybe maybe it's a mental thing where, you know, do you, you just have to throw a strike and you know they're not going to swing, and I guess that just gets in your head, and it's a weird thing that, I guess it is a weird thing because it never really happens. But, um, yeah, just a, kind of an odd thing, and it was just a absolutely brutal walk for AJ. And, um, you know, just like he finally had a bad outing. <laughs> it's just like the Braves' bullpen finally had a bad outing in this one. And this was just a start because um, very next batter, they bring in Marvin Gonzalez, who has also been just terrible at the plate this year, and the pinch hit for the pitcher. And he has a jam shot base hit, um, just like a blooper. I don't even know how hard it was hit. Probably like 70-something miles an hour that just found a hole in left field. And the Astros lead 7-5. to five. And that's just kind of when the air got sucked out of everybody. And things just looked very bleak. Uh, they bring in Chris Martin to replace A.J. Minter. Um, he gets Altuve, strikeout swing, and the limit to damage. Uh, good on Chris Martin. He's actually, he actually looked pretty good in this game and looked pretty good in the past two games. Um, but, yeah, we'll move on to the bottom of the fifth. The Braves had nothing doing. Austin Riley had a double. Um, but they couldn't do anything with it. Game stayed at 7-5. Chris Martin came in. Came in and stayed in, stayed in to pitch the sixth. And he had a 1-2-3 inning. So, yeah, he looked very good in the top of the 6-2. Still 7-5. Then the Braves come in in the bottom of the sixth. Duvall strikes out. Darno singles, Dansby strikes out, and Jock comes on to pinch hit, and he pops up, inning over. Braves offense can't really do nothing else. Top of the seventh is Brian Snicker's second questionable decision in this game. And at the time, in the top of the seventh, the Braves are only down two runs. It's a 7-5 to five game. They're only down two runs, and he brings in Drew Smiley, which he had Luke Jackson warming up, so I assumed it was going to be Luke, but I guess it's the Braves. I guess his plan was Luke was coming in if they score, and they didn't. Um, so I guess it was like, okay, it's Drew Smiley time. And uh, things start off pretty well, actually. Um, I don't agree with the decision that this is a punt move um, by not using your good bullpen arms with an off day tomorrow and just kind of like just trying to steal innings in the World Series when – you know, this very well could be like the last time you could use them because who you don't know what's going to happen if when you go back to Houston. You don't. So, yeah, I would have just used the, the high leverage guys. You have the off day tomorrow if you do lose this game. But I would have used the good guys, the night shift, uh, to keep your team in the game. And he didn't do that, and Drew Smiley did not keep the Braves in the game. Uh, he does strike out Gurriel to start the inning, but then he gives up a double to Kyle Tucker. He gets Bregman to pop out. But then Martin Maldonado, there goes that man again, uh, with an RBI single to make it 8-5. to five. Uh, Then he strikes out Chaz McCormick, and he gets out of the inning. So it's 8-5, to five, heading into the bottom of the seventh. And then the Braves go 1-2-3 at the top of the lineup. So Lair flies out, Freeman grounds out, Nazi strikes out. Move on to the top of the eighth. Braves still can't do nothing on offense. Drew Smiley stays at the game. Jose Altuve um, leads off with a single. And then Drew Smiley actually has him picked off on the like on one of the next pitches. 
and he makes a pretty bad throw to Freddy, but Freddy bails him out by growing up and jumping and jumping and grabbing it. And then gets the throw down a second. Looks like he was safe in real time. And he was called safe, but when you look at the replay, it shows that Altuve was pretty clearly out. So the Braves obviously challenged this, and the call is upheld somehow. Um, just absolutely ridiculous call to like even when you look at the replay and how good a view the umpire had, calling him safe on the field was pretty ridiculous. But then turning around and calling him safe on your replay review, it's just absolutely unacceptable. It was so bad. The MLB replay continues to be just absolutely terrible. It is something that has to be corrected this offseason. I don't, they probably won't do it because it like MLB just doesn't know what the hell they're doing. But I mean, to get that call wrong in the World Series, like I know it like it kind of didn't end up mattering because the Braves offense didn't do anything. But it's the World Series, man, and getting that wrong twice is just so bad. It's just like I can't even overstate how bad that is. But we'll move on. Uh, Michael Brantley comes up right after he grounds out. Now Tuve advances a third, and um, it's going to be shocking that this uh, run comes across the score, even though Altuve should have been out. But uh, Correa drives him in on a single, and um, the umpire's double-missed call comes back and costs the Braves a run in the World Series. Absolutely brutal. Um, so Alvarez strikes out swinging. Um, Guriel has a single, and then he gets Kyle Tucker to fly out and to end the eighth, and the score is 9-5. to five. So ahead to the bottom of the eighth. Austin Riley hits a line to the center, but he is out. Eddie Rosario flies out to center. Oh, actually, beg your pardon. Austin Riley singles to center to start the inning. My bad. And then Eddie Rosario flies out. Uh, Duvall grounds out. Then Darno strikes out. Once again, the Braves offense just couldn't get nothing going. And now we'll move on to the ninth inning. Um, Smiley stayed in because you might as well at this point. He gets a 1-2-3 inning, but the Astros really weren't even trying to hit. It looked like they were trying to get out there and finish the game off. And uh, they did. Braves go 1-2-3. And the game is over. 9-5, to five, Astros win. A very, very frustrating game for the Braves. Um, you know, just leading, like starting the game off leading 4 to nothing, getting a grand slam in the first inning, that's just a game you kind of, I mean, I don't want to say you have to win because it's the first inning, but you were definitely big favorites to win a game where you go up 4 to nothing in the first inning. At home, especially, like, Yeah. Um, and there's just a lot of contributing factors in this game that made the Braves unsuccessful. One of them was Brian Snicker, the other one, A.J. Minter, and the other one was after Freddie Freeman homered, the Braves' offense went ice cold. And uh, credit to the Astros pitchers, their bullpen, they pitched well, but the Braves got a hit, and they didn't do that after Freddie hit his home run. But still, the Braves scored five runs, runs in this game, which is usually like a solid amount of runs for you to win the baseball game in. You know, I think, you know, A.J. Mentor was really bad, um, even though he was, like, he was just a batter away from being perfectly fine. It just didn't happen that way. Um, Brian Snicker with two pretty, one, I'd say the Tucker Davidson decision was brutal, and uh, the smiling one was just kind of just bad. It wasn't absolutely, like, wasn't as bad as the Tucker Davidson decision, leaving him in. But definitely not good either, but definitely not just like flat out, just absolutely awful in every sense of the word. But yeah, um, still the Braves have a 3-2 lead in the series. 
Um, headed back to Houston, which scares you a little bit, but the Braves are set up pretty good uh, going into Houston. So we'll go ahead and talk about that now, Game 6 and uh, Game 7 if necessary. Um, they've already announced that Max Freed is starting Game 6 for the Braves. The Astros do not have a starter announced um, because it was scheduled. Like it was, Jose Urquidy was on um, on track to start this game because he started Game 2. But he was actually used in Game 5 out of the bullpen. So I don't know what they're going to do. So it's TBD still, so I don't know what they're going to do. They might try to like use him for a couple innings, like bullpen it. I don't know. The Astros, Astros are not in as good of a situation pitching-wise as the Braves at all. Uh, they have Luis Garcia lined up for a Game 7 if necessary. But the Braves have Ian Anderson. And Ian Anderson outpitched out him thoroughly in Game 3. And um, I know Max Fried was pretty bad. This game two start, but I'm expecting Max to fully have a have a good one in, in this outing. He he figured he figured things out in his last start. He really settled in nicely, and I think he he's gonna take those adjustments that he did mid game in game two, and just use these off the get. And I think Max is gonna be very good in game six. And I think the Braves are gonna win game six. I really do. Um, famous last words. I know it's it could be, but I really think the Braves are gonna win this game, especially for my boy Trevor Plouffe. Um, got to go ahead and give him a shout out and just kind of tell y'all about this tweet. Uh, Trevor Plouffe, for, for y'all that don't know, he's a former he's a former Major League Baseball player. He's played for the Twins. Um, he now does a talking baseball podcast on John Boy Media. And he has a pretty incredible tweet from, I believe it was March. Um, yes, on March 31st of this year. So this is the day before opening day of the season. He tweeted, Atlanta Braves over the Houston Astros in six. That is a prediction of all predictions. And I was obviously rooting for the Braves to win game five, but I'm, and I'm definitely rooting for the Braves to win game six. But if that, if that happens for him, that's just incredible. Uh, just wanted to give that a quick shout out because it's just pretty crazy that that's even a thing. That, that, um, that someone was that um, spot on on their prediction. Even if the, even if this thing goes seven and or if the Braves just lose it or the Braves win in seven, it's still pretty crazy that you predicted the the two teams correctly. But anyway, um, yeah, I would predict that the Braves win Game Six because I don't know what Houston's going to do with their pitching. They're not in a great spot. Kendall Graveman had to throw a lot of pitches in Game Five. I know there's an off day, but still, they didn't use Ryan Presley in Game Five, which was kind of important. Um, the Astros insurance runs really let that happen. That's another side effect of. Drew Smiley giving up um Drew Smiley giving up two runs is that the Astros did not have to really go balls to the walls with the bullpen. They just gave it the Kendall Graveman for two innings and they didn't have to use Ryan Presley who was their closer. So yeah, that's another th- thing about punting games away is that the other team does not have to use their good pitchers off off the rip. Just because it's not a two run game anymore. So yeah. Frustrating, frustrating, frustrating stuff throughout that game. I could go on for hours about it probably, but I won't do that. So yeah, game six, Tuesday night at eight, Max Freed versus TBD for the Astros. Let's do it. Let's finish it there. It would have been nice to win it at Shrewis, but hey, when you look back and you went into games three through five, the series was tied at one and you knew you had two bullpen games. I, I even predict, I'm going to go and say my one of my predictions when they were going into game three, in these games in Atlanta, I would say, hey, the Braves are going to win the Ian Anderson start, which they did, and they'll split the bullpen games, which they did. 
it was kind of frustrating the way they lost the one bullpen game, but I mean, you know, winning back-to-back bullpen games in the World Series is not an easy thing to do, and like, bad decisions are kind of bound to be made, and bad performances are bound to happen, and uh, that's what happened in that in the in game five. So uh, yeah, game six and game seven Tuesday, Wednesday night. Hopefully, there's no game seven. And yeah, well, that's about it. Um, um, on the on the World Series, that's all I got really on it. Uh, we'll now dip our toes into other sports for the first time in a while on this podcast. Um, we'll touch on the Atlanta Hawks, who have started their season. They've kind of started their season at a very inopportune time. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, they really have started at an opportune time with the Braves going on this run right smack dab in the middle. Their, their season started right smack dab in the middle of the Braves going on their best playoff run in 22 years that's kind of unfortunate for the Hawks I have been keeping up with Hawks and been watching games when I can uh, they have been overlapping with the Braves a little bit but when they're not overlapping I've been watching them um, and they're not off to the hottest start of the season they're not terrible terrible start they're three and three um, the offense has kind of been spotty at times has been good at times but definitely spotty at times as well um, you know, they, they started off the season very well against the Mavericks. The defense had a really nice showing. They blew them out. I'm not going to go over, like, every game here, but, like, the Hawks, like I've, like, I've been seeing stuff that their free throw rate is way down. They're not getting to the line as much. And some of that is probably side effects of the new foul rules that are going on, um, especially with Trey Young. You know, Trey really took advantage of those whistles last year when you could, you know, kind of draw contact um, on your own, really. And they're not calling that anymore. And I'm sure there's some side effects of the refs like calling things differently too, and I, I'm teams just have to adjust to it. I know James Harden in Brooklyn's going through a tough time with it too, and uh, like they're good, they're, like all these players that were benefit benefiting from it are good players, and it's just going to be an adjustment period, I think. But yeah, uh, the Hawks last played on Saturday night. And they got smacked in their rematch against the 76ers in the playoffs. They lost 122 to 94, so that's not great. Um, but yeah. That's just kind of my thoughts on the Hawks so far. Nothing really crazy, hot takey about them yet. Uh, they're three and three. They're six games in. Um, they play the Wizards tonight, so I'll definitely be watching that because the Braves aren't on. Um, but yeah, and then Wednesday they play the Nets, which should be fun. Um, probably two of the better teams in the East playing. Um, not not a ton of um, thoughts on the Hawks yet. Once the, this Brave season wraps up, I'll be definitely deep diving more into these Hawks games and um, giving you my thoughts on them. But Till the Braves are till this World Series is over with, I'm not going to be going super in depth on here about the Hawks, but I give you a little little underlying thoughts about their first six games right there. So we we'll move on to the football talk, uh, some NFL, and some college. Um, the Falcons played yesterday and they lost a pretty miserable in pretty miserable fashion to the Carolina Panthers. Um, yeah, just a kind of a weird game and a weird loss overall. They lost 19 to 13. Um, Kind of just shot themselves in the foot. They had plenty of chances in this game to, you know, take full control of it. And when they did fall behind, they had chances to get back in it late in the game. But they just didn't do that. And like, yeah, that, like this game was just so that uh, it was just such a uh, game. It was a very Falcons game. Uh, Matt Ryan wasn't his sharpest. Um, he did get his hand stepped on in this game, not at his non-throwing hand, his left hand by a cleat, like full on, like right in the middle. <laughs> And he was bleeding pretty profusely throughout the entire game. Not the entire game, the entire first half. He ended up putting um, a glove on his hand, but he was bleeding 
everywhere early on in this game. His his towel was like almost fully red from blood. It was pretty wild, um, pretty wild stuff. Um, but yeah, the offense wasn't great. Only 13 points. Um, and I should mention this. Calvin Ridley was a late scratch in this game. I almost forgot about this. He was a late scratch in this game due to personal matters. And this wouldn't this wasn't the first time that this has happened this year. Um, he didn't travel with the team to London to play the Jets for personal matters. But he came back to face the Dolphins. But he was a late scratch in this one uh, for personal matters. And then during the game, actually, he came out with a press release. Um, I can go ahead and find it now. But a press release saying that he's going to step away from football for a while. I don't know how long um, that's going to be. But it seems like um, he was going to be out indefinitely. I'll go ahead and read it for you word for word now. He said, these past weeks... These, these past few weeks have been very challenging. As much as I'd like to be on the field competing with my teammates, I need to step away from football this time and focus on my mental well-being. This will help me be the best version of myself now and in the future. I want to thank my teammates, the entire Falcons organization, our great fans, my friends, and my family for all their support during this time. So, yeah, I hope whatever is going on with Calvin, um, he can get resolved. Um, you know, if like we, we have no idea what... Um, what personal issues he got, he's got going on. So, yeah, not great to probably pass judgment on him uh, for stepping away from the team. I know it, it sucks as a fan when one of your best player steps away, but, you know, Calvin could be going through, like, some very serious mental stuff, and I wish him the best, and hopefully he can get well soon because, I, like, I, as much as I love to see him back on the field, it is way more important for him to be in a good mental state um, with his – like with him with himself and his well-being mentally than it is him playing football and that's just pretty obvious so hopefully he can get that figured out as soon as he can um like i said i'd love to see him back on the field um as soon as possible but you know he can take as much time as he needs to to make sure he is right as a human before he gets back on the football field so fully support calvin um, he's a great player he seems like a really great dude by all accounts and yeah, hopefully he can he can get him his mental state right because he uh, he deserves that. And yeah, just uh, thoughts go out to him. Hopefully he can get things figured out. But yeah, the, yeah, just a tough day for the Falcons yesterday because yeah, during the middle of the game it came out that Calvin will step away from the team um, during the middle of a pretty bad loss. And yeah, just a tough day to be a Falcons fan. I'm not the first time I've ever said that, and not the last time I will either. I'm quite certain of it. Uh, we will now move on to some brief college football talk. Um, Georgia, Florida happened this weekend on Saturday. Um, one of the main talks of like how crazy Georgia was going to be this weekend between the Braves playing in the World Series and Georgia, Florida playing one of their biggest games of the year. Um, Georgia annihilated Florida. Um, not shocking, but some people thought that it might be a game uh, just because it was like the rivalry and maybe like, you know, anything can happen in the rivalry. No, that did not happen in this game. Georgia absolutely throat punch Florida. They led 24-0 at halftime. They won 34-7. I didn't even watch any of this game. I was just kind of keeping up the score on my phone because I was not at a place where I could watch football when it was happening. But, um, yeah. You know, Georgia's defense would probably just dominate, and they're just way better than Florida. And I'm just hoping that Alabama can beat them in the SEC championship because that's just kind of my last resort here as a Georgia Tech fan. And speaking of my jackets, uh, they played a pretty miserable football game as well, losing to Virginia Tech at home. 26 to 17. Um, I didn't get to watch this game up until the very end, and like until the fourth quarter. And Georgia Tech's offense did nothing in the fourth quarter because I was I was actually at a birthday party, so I couldn't watch 
until I got back home and it was the fourth quarter and they were trailing 23 to 17. Um, Virginia Tech got on a field goal in the fourth. Um, I can't really speak too much on this game. Um, I went back and watched some of the replays and stuff, but you know, it's just, yeah, it's not good in Georgia Tech land right now at all. Um, they got Miami next week who actually just beat Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh has been playing very well. So yeah, we'll see how that goes, but pretty bad loss against a rival in Virginia Tech in a game that they were actually favored, I think, by three points. Three and a half point favorites at home. And you just kind of go out and lay an egg. Um, some pretty embarrassing defensive plays, too. Just not good stuff from Georgia Tech in this one at all. Uh, pretty pretty bad. Pretty bad football weekend for me, but a pretty solid baseball weekend, I'd say, with the Braves getting two out of three. An overall positive, I'd say, since it is the World Series. So, yeah. Um, that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, I will be back on either Wednesday or Thursday. Um, cause if the Braves went on Tuesday, I'll be back Wednesday. Um, if this thing goes seven and whatever happens in game seven, I will be back on Thursday to talk about it. So fingers crossed that there is a podcast on Wednesday. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. And like I said, that's what I think is going to happen. Cause I'm predicting that the Braves are going to win game six tomorrow night. Max Reed's going to shove, and uh, hopefully I will see you and talk to you on Wednesday. If you made it this far for listening, I really, really appreciate it, and I will see you in the next one.